Welcome to the Slim and Satisfied podcast. I'm your host, Daphna Chazen. Over the past decade, I've helped hundreds of women stop dieting and start living a life that is truly healthy, enjoyable, and delicious. If you've struggled with weight and have yet to find the right solution to your health concerns, you're in the right place. Each week, I'm going to share my best tips, tricks, and strategies to eating well without ever feeling confined by diet rules or short-term fixes. Join me as I walk you through my science-based, practical tips that will transform your habits for good. My down-to-earth, no-nonsense approach is going to get you the results you've been craving all along. So, are you ready? Let's get started. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Slim and Satisfied podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. And today on episode four, we're talking about something that's really controversial, probably one of the most controversial topics in weight loss, maybe even in the health field in general, and that's calories. I'd like to dedicate today's episode to discussing what we need to know about calories and what are some important concepts about calories that we all need to keep in mind when losing weight. It's a lot simpler than you think, and today we're going to unravel this whole thing and make sure that you walk away, as always, with some actionable tips and things that you can implement right away. I'm going to be sharing some facts about calories as well as my personal philosophy around calories and weight loss, so you'll have a good sense of my take on this and how I apply these concepts in my practice. So let's get started by defining what a calorie is. A calorie is a unit of measure of energy, so it basically measures how much energy or heat is given off when a food is digested or when a calorie is burnt off. Just so you know, the calories that we see on food labels and what we typically refer to when we're losing weight is called a kilocalorie, and the scientific definition of that is the amount of heat that it would take to raise one liter of water by one degree Celsius at sea level. I know, how did you live without this information, right? (laughs) More simply, we can think of calories as the unit of measure for the amount of heat that's given off when the body burns food through digestion and metabolism. So anytime that we eat something, we break it down, and that process gives off heat in the form of energy, or it gives off energy in the form of heat, I should say. So the more energy or heat that the body gets from digesting a certain food, the higher the amount of calories in that food. And of course, the body uses this energy for its essential functions, like keeping organs functioning, feeding our brain and muscles, as well as supporting our daily activities, anything ranging from involuntary things like our heartbeat to voluntary things like breathing, exercise, and our cognitive performance. All of these things use up energy that is measured in the form of calories. So now that we know what calories are, let's talk a little bit about where they can be found and what type of foods contain them. There are only three types of nutrients that provide calories, and these are known as macros, and I'm sure you've heard about this before. Macros are your protein, fats, and carbs. There are three macronutrients, proteins, fats, and carbs. Proteins and carbs 
provide four calories per gram each, whereas fat provides nine calories per gram. Now, of course, food often contains a combination of macros, so most foods are not just protein or just fat, but knowing how many calories they provide is important. Essentially, if a food has no protein, no carbs, or no fat, it will not have any calories. So think about something like water or something like celery, which is 95% water and contains almost no calories at all. Using these numbers is the most common way that food companies calculate the amount of calories on their products. So it's not 100% accurate, but it's pretty close. And these are the numbers that are most commonly used. Now, I want to talk about something called calorie density here because this is important. This is one of the keys to weight loss that I really emphasize to my clients because it can make a huge difference in how someone feels and what results they're seeing. So certain foods are very high in calories, and those are foods that we call calorie-dense or energy-dense. They're not just high in calories. They're also very small as far as volume. So when you think about your stomach and when you think about foods that you eat, you could be eating a certain number of calories coming from different types of foods. Say you eat 200 calories worth of vegetables like kale or broccoli, that's going to have a big volume, right? So 200 calories of broccoli is probably about three to four raw cups of broccoli. When you think about 200 calories of olive oil, that's only about a tablespoon and a half. So volume-wise, it's a much smaller amount of food, but same amount of calories. So certain foods are very dense in energy, very dense in calories, and even though they could be healthy, like olive oil or nuts or salmon, those foods tend to be small volume, big caloric price tag. Whereas we have certain foods that we call nutrient-dense, Those foods are big volume, small amount of calories. So vegetables are the perfect example of that. We also have things like lean proteins. So a grilled piece of chicken has about 180 calories, right? Depending on the size of it. But an average size of uh, a chicken breast will have about 180 or 200 calories for about four to six ounces. Whereas 200 calories worth of nuts is only about an ounce and a half or two ounces. So there's a big difference in volume for the same amount of calories. And one of the key concepts in weight loss is to make sure that you're getting mostly nutrient-dense foods in your diet, in your day, because that's gonna maximize the amount of volume that you eat for staying within your calorie range. So you wanna stay within a reasonable calorie range, and we're gonna talk about that. But when you think about where calories come from, you want to prioritize foods that are high in nutrients, but low in calories and provide big volume. So typically, because fat provides double the amount of calories per weight than protein and carbs, we want to limit fat and especially certain types of fats because the calories there are gonna be adding up very quickly. So if we eat foods that are super high in fat, like fried foods or baked goods or things like ice cream or high fat dairy items like um, cheese or 
um, very high fat items like sour cream or mayonnaise, that is going to be a big caloric price tag there for a small volume. So one of the very simple things that you can start doing and seeing amazing results with and is pretty simple to implement is to focus on picking mostly high-volume, low-calorie foods, adding lots of vegetables, lots of lean proteins into your day, and then being mindful of, of course, portions and limiting indulgences, which tend to be higher in energy density by either frequency, so how frequently you eat those things, or by amount, so you may eat them frequently but lower the amount that you're eating of these higher calorie foods. And that's definitely gonna put you ahead of the game with your weight loss journey. So now that we briefly spoke about what calories are and where they're found, let's talk about weight loss. I often get asked, how do I know how many calories I should be eating to lose weight and should I worry about calories or count calories or pay attention to them? I'm going to share with you the answer to that, as well as three possible ways to know how many calories you should be eating. But before we do this, I'd like to pause and tell you a little bit about my philosophy regarding calories. I often teach my clients an important distinction when it comes to calories, and that's the distinction between calorie counting and calorie awareness. While I do believe that accurate calorie counting will produce the best results for most people, I'm assuming that their diet is made up of high-quality food. My experience has taught me that calorie counting is a good way to go for most people. With that being said, I don't believe in calorie counting, and that's not what I teach my clients. It's tedious, it's difficult to learn and master, and most of us dislike it so much that we just can't keep it going long enough. And this is the main reason why I don't teach calorie counting or promote it. So it's not that I don't believe that it works because I really do think that the weight loss equation is very, very simple and it does involve creating a calorie deficit in your day. But there are many ways to do this without actually counting calories. That's the key. So you want to be counting calories without even knowing that you're counting calories, right? That's the best way to go. So I don't really preach that. I don't really talk to my clients about calorie counting unless they're interested in it, unless they want to do it, unless they feel like tracking will help them stay accountable. And I have no opposition to that. But for the most part, I do think that we want to come up with a good healthy diet with calorie awareness in mind as opposed to calorie counting. And that seems to just be a happy medium for all. So at the same time that we're not counting, we can't completely disregard calories and be totally oblivious to the ballpark numbers that we want to hit. So when I work with people on calorie awareness, it includes understanding what their unique needs are as far as calories and making sure that we're highly aware of what foods do fit into your plan and what foods just don't. That's going to help you not go over your calorie budget every single day, which will equal equal weight loss. So every day that you're exceeding your calorie needs, you're taking in more calories that your body needs, you're going to be putting weight on. So this is what we want to prevent. But we don't do it in a way where it feels like we're counting calories and it's highly time-consuming and tedious. There is a lot of negative discussion around calories these days, and that's mostly due to associating calories 
with over-restriction, under-eating, and some patterns of disordered eating. But it's important to know that calories are still an important component of weight loss and that we want to discuss them because the simple equation of calories in versus calories out is still very relevant here. So please keep that in mind. While weight loss plans today have different hooks and sometimes different gimmicks, I want you to know that they all do the same thing, and that relates back to calories in versus calories out. Whenever you're following the cookie diet, the blood type diet, the cabbage soup diet, or a good healthy diet that's made by a nutritionist or another healthcare professional, or maybe maybe you put it together yourself because you're educated about it, all of these plans do the same thing. If they produce a weight loss, they produce weight reductions, they cut calories. Some do this more healthfully than others, and some do it with more scientific backing than others. Just, you know, and some just over restrict without much evidence, like the HCG diet that was very popular a couple years back. That was a diet that was centered around a 500 calorie meal plan per day. That's a terrible way to go, highly unsustainable, highly damaging to the body but it produced results. And that was not because of the HCG shots and the hormones. It was because it was a 500 calorie a day diet. So whenever you go on a weight loss plan and pounds come off, it's not usually due to your bulletproof coffee or any shots, pills, or potions, or the elimination of certain food groups like carbs or gluten. It's mostly related to the deficit in calories that was created. And that's why calorie awareness is so important because you could be following a plan that's less restrictive, has you eating more normally and regularly without eliminating certain foods groups or having to follow certain rules and producing just as amazing a result for you with less work, less effort, and less blood, sweat, and tears of dieting, like I mentioned in the other episode, last week's episode about willpower. In that episode, I talked about the fear, failure, fatigue cycle, so I'm going to link to that in the show notes below. Make sure you go and check that out because there was good information there about the process of dieting in general and how harmful it could be. Okay, so let's move on to talking about three ways that you can use to determine how many calories per day you should be eating based on your body's needs. The first thing you could do, and this is the most easy, straightforward way to go, is if you're currently consuming a certain meal plan, a certain diet, and your weight is either staying the same or going up, that's a clear indication that a good place for you to start is just by cutting back a little bit. So without even putting a number on it, you can tell that if you're gaining weight or your weight is staying the same, the correct calorie level for you right now is less just less than where you are today. And there are two ways that you can go here. Number one is continuing to to eat the same type of food that you're eating right now. So you're keeping your meals the same, but you're adjusting the portions. So the amount becomes smaller. That could help save a lot of calories in each and every meal, as well as snacks. The other thing that you can do is identify maybe two, three, four, what I call high ticket items. These are your highest calorie foods in your day and swap them with lower calorie alternatives. So this doesn't mean going from full fat yogurt to non-fat yogurt or things like that, but if you're, for example, eating a bagel for breakfast every day, maybe you can swap that out to a couple slices of bread that will shave off two or 300 calories easily, and you'll enjoy that just as much. 
So, or you wouldn't mind the swap. Let's just put it that way. There are many opportunities in all of our days, in all in each one of our diets, to swap things for lower calorie items, assuming that they'll give you good nutrition and assuming that you'll enjoy them just as much. This is a great way to go. So you can easily reduce your caloric intake by three to 500 calories every day, and that should produce a gradual weight loss over time. This is actually what one of my clients did a few months ago. She was drinking a large white chocolate mocha from Starbucks every day, not realizing that it's about 400 calories of beverage right there. When she cut this out, her weight started to come off, so she really didn't change anything about her food intake. It was this one high-ticket item that she swapped out for a brewed coffee, which she didn't like as much, but she didn't mind the swap. It was worth it for her to start seeing more momentum with her weight loss. Most people, and this is the thing, most people underestimate the amount of calories that we eat and we overestimate the amount that we burn through exercise. So you wanna make sure that you're getting really clear, and this is why, again, we don't wanna be calorie counting, but we wanna be aware, and if you're buying things outside, it tends to be a lot easier in some places, in some chain restaurants and things like that, to see calorie counts. You wanna be aware that if you're eating very high calorie items most days of the week, you're gonna have a hard time seeing weight loss. So. Find those two, three items that you think are super high in calorie. Maybe it's something that has um, a lot of fat in it or something that contains things like cheese or mayonnaise or nut butters tend to be really high in calories like peanut butter or almond butter. Certainly caloric beverages is low-hanging fruit. That's where I would go first. Eliminating caloric beverages is a very good way to start seeing weight loss. So kind of be a detective in your own diet, in your own day, and find those couple items that you can either swap out to lower calorie foods, maybe you can even cut them out completely, or if you're not quite ready to do that, change the amount, make the portion a little bit smaller. The biggest benefit of this is that you don't have to worry about specific numbers, you're just reducing those high ticket items in your day, and over time you'll get used to it and would be a no-brainer. This is exactly like managing your budget, by the way. So if you suddenly had to save money or you wanted to reduce your spending, what would you do? You would look at your biggest expenses, right? You'll start with those and you'll see how you can either eliminate them or reduce them. So there are many analogies that can be used with money and calories. So you'll hear a few of those coming up in this episode from me. So The number one way we talked about right now was just less. We're not even talking about specific numbers here. The second way to determine how many calories to consume is using ballpark numbers. From my experience, and this is a general statement, but it seems to be true for most women, most women will lose weight eating around 14 to 1800 calories per day. The exact number depends on many, many factors, especially things like activity level. So it's hard to generalize, but I do see that most women see good results in that number. And this is a good range to target. And a lot of great quality food and nutrition can fit in here. So of course we wanna make sure that the diet quality is good. We wanna be mindful of what those calories include. It's not just about the number. 
So if you're looking for a slow, steady, and sustainable way to go, I would start at the top of the range and see if you can stay around that number for about a month. Don't just give it a week or two. That's not enough to see results. You want to be consistent with it, and you want to make sure that you're giving it time. The results that you get will tell you a lot of information about your body's needs. If you're gaining weight, you're taking in more than you need. And if you stay the same, you may want to try to shave off 200 calories or 300 calories or so, and that should start producing a gradual weight loss for you. So there's a bit of trial and error here until you dial it in just right. And just right means that you're eating the right types of foods, not empty calories, so you're eating a lot of good nutrition. Remember those nutrient-dense foods, your fruits and vegetables, your lean proteins, your certain dairy items, as well as, of course, whole grains. And you're feeling satisfied and not hungry. And your body is shedding pounds slowly but steadily. Remember, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Seeing big dramatic results in the beginning means absolutely nothing for what happens later on. So don't be overzealous. Don't don't get impatient with yourself. Make sure that you're seeing a pound or two per week long-term. You're going to be better off than dropping five to seven pounds within five days. That's not what you're going for because it never lasts and it usually backfires. So let's just recap here for a second. When we're targeting these ranges, if you choose to give this a shot, we're aiming for calorie awareness, not counting, and the goal is to put together a rough meal plan that falls in this range and includes a variety of healthy meals and snacks, as well as a volume of food that will be satisfying and delicious so you're not feeling any sense of denial or deprivation. Good? To help you get started with this strategy, I'm including a sample meal plan or actually two sample meal plans that you can download below. This is going to give you a sense of what those ranges of calories may look like in terms of food. There are two day menus there. One is around 1400 calories and one is higher. That's around 1800 calories. So if you're exercising or you know that your body's needs are a little bit higher, you tend to be hungrier, you can go with 1800 calories. So definitely check those out. I'd suggest starting higher and dropping down if you're not seeing good results. It's better to start at the top since you don't want to restrict without a reason. So if you wanted to try out 1800 or maybe a 1600 somewhere in the middle, you can just take the 1800 calorie plan and remove one of the snacks. That should put you around 1600 and that's a great range to be at. Now you may be thinking there is no way I'll lose weight eating this many calories. My metabolism is very, very slow. So let's talk about this for a second. While it's true that If you've dieted many times before, it can mean that your metabolism is not optimal. It's not working the best that it can. Having a really slow metabolism such that you cannot lose weight because of it is not as common as we may think. Just in the same way that undereating is fairly uncommon. Most women do not undereat. What's more common actually is that We think we're underestimating how many calories we eat, and for that, we go back to calorie awareness as a first step. So most women actually underestimate how many calories we're taking in. 
And what I think is happening here with thinking that metabolism is slow or that you won't lose weight on those higher calorie levels is that many times it's just a story that we tell ourselves and that gives us a reason or some type of justification as to why things aren't working out for us. Most women cling to this as a major limiting belief, ladies, and please go back to episode one to see how this may be holding you back from making progress. I spoke about limiting beliefs in the first episode of this podcast. So my suggestion here would be to put your focus somewhere else. Instead of feeling defeated and buying into the idea that your metabolism is slow, therefore nothing will work for you. Try to really evaluate your current food habits and see if maybe, just maybe, there's room for improvement there by identifying small swaps like we talked about or tweaking it in certain ways that will bring you closer to the ranges we mentioned here before. And if you feel strongly that your metabolism is working against you, I have good news for you. There are many, many ways to recover your metabolic rate with both food and exercise, so it's not a final verdict, and plus, it's really not something that you can know or feel without ever having it measured, which is a perfect segue to the third way to know how many calories you should be eating and is more objective, although not perfect, and that's using a standard equation, and the one that's currently known as the most accurate is called the Mifflin-Saint-Jour. This equation is really simple, very easy to use, and it takes into account simple things about you like your gender, height, current weight, and age, and it will tell you your metabolic rate. And it's referring to your basal metabolic rate, what's known as your BMR, which is essentially how many calories your body burns at rest. So it doesn't take activity into account. It just looks at how many calories your body burns just by being alive, right? Even if you were to sit on a chair all day long, your body will still burn this amount of calories. I'm gonna link to a page below where you can plug your information in and it will tell you your estimated metabolic rate. Clearly, this equation doesn't take into account your past diet history, any health conditions you have, or if your body composition is leaning toward more lean or more fat, but it's fairly a good place to start to get an idea about your calorie expenditure, which is how many calories you are burning at rest. So for me, for example, is showing that based on my data, I need to eat about 1,400 calories a day to maintain my current weight. And that's correct. On the days that I don't work out, that's kind of the ballpark number that I'm aiming for by being calorie aware. And that has been working well for me. I've been keeping my weight pretty stable for about 10 years now. So now that we have a sense of how many calories our body needs, does it matter where they come from? This is the big question. This is the million dollar question. Or is a calorie a calorie? Really, this is what we're asking here. Well, the answer is yes and no. (laughs) Let me explain. If we took two women who are identical as far as their height, weight, and um, how many calories they need to be burning. So we've analyzed their basal metabolic rate, and we've decided that they both need to eat a 1,400-calorie diet in order to lose weight. So we fed them both 1,400 calories. They'll both lose weight. They'll both see 
approximately the same results, assuming they're adhering with this 1,400-calorie diet. But one of the women is eating 1,400 calories worth of M&Ms, and the other lady is eating a good balanced diet with a mix of different things like proteins and vegetables and all the good stuff we've talked about. Both women will lose weight. I'm going to say at about the same rate. So what this means essentially is that a calorie is a calorie, but the woman who is eating M&Ms all day long, how do you think she's feeling? So she may or may not be happy about eating candy all day long. I'm really not sure. But what my point is here is that she starts out feeling okay, but because she's eating a very high calorie density food, she runs out of food very early on. So she's likely hungrier. She's more irritable. She eats less volume. So she's barely making it through the day, whereas the other woman is eating all day long. And they're still both staying within the same calorie range. So while a calorie is a calorie, not all food and not all calories make us feel the same way. Some foods are really satiating and satisfying, and some foods are just high in calorie and leave us wanting more and more and more. These are foods that we typically refer to as empty calories, which is a term that I'm sure you've heard before. But the point here is that Not all calories feel the same way in the body. Not all calories satisfy us to the same degree. And calories certainly give us different levels of nutrition and a different quality of food in our day. So we want to strive for the best quality, highest level of nutrition from our food. That's not always the case, and we're not perfect, right? We're not machines. We're humans. So we're going to eat empty calories here and there. But overall, I want you to understand that if the calories are super empty and if the type of food that we're eating on an ongoing basis is very energy dense, very high in calories, but small volume, like M&Ms, for example, which I know nobody eats for the whole day, but I wanted to give you a dramatic and kind of extreme example so that you can really visualize the difference here. But if I'm making energy dense, calorie dense decisions and food choices in every meal, I'm going to run out of calories pretty quickly and pretty early on in my day, and that's certainly going to cause weight gain. So let me give you an example of how this may play out from my own personal life. So as I said before, I try to aim for somewhere around 14 to 1600 calories per day to keep my weight to where it is now. So on the days that I work out, I may go toward the higher end of this range. But generally speaking, let's say I stay around 1400 calories. Well, one of the things that I really love, but I know doesn't fit in my day, are pastries. I love pastries, guys. So whenever I think about getting a scone or getting a muffin or something like that, I always remind myself that it likely doesn't fit in my budget. So just like I can't walk into a department store and buy any item without thinking about how much it costs, I'm just not in that financial position at all. (laughs) So just like I can't go into a store and buy something without looking at the price tag, I can't really go into a bakery and just take a scone and eat it and not worry about the rest of my calorie budget because that's not in line with my goals of keeping my weight where it is now. It's exactly the same thing. Most of us don't have the type of budget where we can buy things without considering how much they cost, right? And that's why I do have scones, but I make a very special plan around them and I have them very infrequently. So 
If I have a scone, which is somewhere around 600 calories, maybe four to 600, depending on what type it is, I know that if I have that for breakfast, I'm going to run out of budget for the rest of the day as far as my calories. So if I'm trying to aim for 1,400 and I spend 500 calories on a scone, that leaves me with about eight or 900 calories for the rest of the day. And I know that for me, it's just not enough. I'm definitely going to overeat if I do that. And that is exactly the reason why I plan for it. I may omit a snack on a day that I have a scone, or I may do an extra day of workout that week, but I try to really balance out those calories in a way that will allow me to hit my most important goals, and that's staying healthy. It's not even about the weight. It's not even about the number on the scale. I just want to make sure that my body is healthy and I'm not putting weight on from empty calories like a scone, but I do like them. So I plan for them, I budget for them, and I have them in moderation in the right amount and the right frequency for my lifestyle. And that's what I really encourage you to do. Really think about the food to the calorie to money analogy here and think about what type of food fits into your budget and what type of food is a sometimes food or food that you want to have in smaller amounts. And those little changes will add up and will make a big difference for you in the long run. And this is the type of thinking that I know my most successful clients are practicing as well. And it really does help to shift your mindset around calories. So again, Not at all about counting, but very much focused on awareness and being strategic about it. So let's go ahead and recap today's episode. I want you to walk away from this show with three pros for calorie awareness, three things that are highly positive about calorie awareness and how you can practice them in a very sustainable way that's not going to feel like a diet. The first thing that calorie awareness does for you is brings awareness to how quickly calories can accumulate in your day. So when you start paying attention, you're going to see that 14, 16, or 1800 calories do add up pretty quickly. That's why you have to be very intentional and strategic with the types of foods that you're incorporating into your day. So increasing our awareness is definitely a pro. The second thing is that it's going to pretty quickly highlight foods that do not fit. So just like the budget I mentioned to you, we're going to be able to identify those high ticket food items in our day. And those are the highest calorie things that we eat and replace them with something that's a better, lower calorie alternative. And then the biggest benefit that I'd like you to walk away with today as far as calorie awareness is that over time, it's going to improve our decision-making process around food. So it's going to become more intuitive and more second nature to us to decide what foods fit in every day to my regular core meal plan and what foods are more of a sometimes food that I introduce here and there more for enjoyment and pleasure. So as always, I like to give you some actionable tips to walk away with. So today I have four steps that I'd like you to take after listening to this episode. The first thing I want you to do is to click the link below and plug in your information in order to use the mifflin Senjour equation to see what is your resting energy expenditure or your basal metabolic rate. Those are things that are sometimes used interchangeably. It basically is gonna give you the amount of calories that your body burns, and that's a great place to start if you're looking to lose weight. 
Then I want you to take that number and divide it over three meals and two snacks, or two meals and two snacks, if that works better for you. This will give you a ballpark number per meal and per snack and will make you more aware as you go through your day. So for example, if I have 1,600 calories as my basal metabolic rate, that's what came out of my equation, for example, I'm going to say I want to use about 200 calories for two snacks, so that's 400. Then I have 1,200 calories remaining for my three meals. So I'm going to divide them pretty evenly, 300 for each, and that's my ballpark numbers for each eating episode in my day. Does that make sense? That's going to help you be more aware as you go through your day. Definitely, definitely check out the meal plans below for ideas and to get a sense of what 14 or 1800 calories worth of food really looks like. Then I want you to evaluate your day and identify those high ticket items. These are the high calorie items that you're currently eating that you may be able to replace or find lower calorie alternatives to them. So you may want to change the amount or find an alternative, and that's going to help you be in a better calorie range for weight loss if that's your goal, okay? So I'm going to list the steps below so that you know what to do. Definitely check out the links as well as the other episodes that I've mentioned throughout this episode. And then I look forward to seeing you next week. Make sure that you make it a great week and I will talk to you soon.